did you in fact first meet Dr. Ozeal in June of 1989? June 28th of 1989. And could you just very briefly describe the circumstances in which you met Dr. Ozeal? I had some tapes from a seminar which I had listened to and I was interested in taking some of those seminars and on the end of the tape it said to call uh, the Phobia Institute of Beverly Hills and called information. The phone number I received was um, the phone number for Dr. Ozeal and I left a message and he called me back and talked me out of the seminars and into the idea that I needed one-on-one -on -one therapy. And do you, do you remember roughly when that first meeting was? Meeting call. The first phone physical call. meeting or the first phone the call? The first phone call. In the first week of June of 89. And when was your first meeting with him? The first physical time we met was June 28th of 89. And could I approach a witness, Sean? Yeah. Showing you what has been marked previously, exhibit number 120, directing your attention to the first page of that exhibit, which is a letter dated June 15, 1989, uh, beginning, Hi, Jerry, thank you for your time and consideration, and closes my poetry, poetry book as a token with a sound and light business card. Do you see that? Yes. Is that your business card? Yes. And is that a letter that you wrote to Dr. Ozeal as a result of your first contact with him? Yes. And after that first contact with him, was your initial relationship with him a business relationship? No, not at all. What was the standard nature of the relationship that you had with him in the very beginning? It would flip-flop between um, therapy and his idea that he was my ideal person. Ideal person romantically? Romantically. All right. And you said, I think, that in one of your first conversations, or the first conversation, he suggested to you that you needed therapy? Yes. What specifically did he say in that regard? When I said that I wanted to take seminars, and he asked me the reason why, and I said because I had decided I wanted to have a relationship, I'd like to be married and have children, um, then he said, well, based on what I was saying, that I had an intimacy problem, and he felt that I needed one-on-one -on -one therapy rather than to go to seminars. Did he suggest to you that he was available to provide that one-on-one -on -one therapy? Yes, he did. Did he indicate to you what his fees were? Yes, he did. And what did he say in that regard? He said that his fees were like 160 upwards for 45 minutes. And did you indicate that you would like to hire him as your therapist? No, I said that that wasn't in my budget. <laughs> that. I was thinking of doing a seminar, and I was thinking, you know, a couple hundred dollars a month. So. And, and did he indicate that he was still going to provide service, therapy services to you? 
at that time, what he indicated was that he was going to refer me to someone in the price range that I, that I would be comfortable with. And did that, in fact, happen? Yes. And did you get referred somehow back to Dr. Ozeal? The phone numbers that he gave me, the, no one ever answered the phone. Or in one case, uh, I left messages, but no one ever returned my calls. So I never connected with any of the numbers he gave me. And did you end up in therapy with Dr. Ozeal? Yes. And when did that um, patient-therapist relationship begin? About the beginning of July. It's hard to say. It actually really began in June because of all the phone calls um, in preparation for referring me to someone else were all therapy. Therapy so, in the sense that he was exploring your feelings on the telephone with you? And eliciting from me um, just all of my background information, family information. So technically, I guess it would be that it started in June of 89. And how long did it continue? Up to the day that I escaped. Which was what date? June. It was Sunday, March, I think, 4th when you When you say escaped, are you referring to leaving Dr. Ozeal's house? Yes. Because for a certain period of time you lived in Dr. Ozeal's house? Yes. And when did you first begin to live in his house and when did you leave? Um, he took me there in mid-December, mid to late December around the 19th, the exact date, I'm not positive without, I'm not positive of the exact date, but mid to late December of 89 until I think it was March 4th of 90. Now the therapy that you were receiving from him, was that uh, therapy where you would go into his office and have a session with him in the office and then pay him some money? No. What kind of therapy was it? Sometimes I did go to the office, but um, most of the time he came to my house. And how would the therapy, just in general, without getting into the details, how would it happen that he would be coming to your house providing therapy? Because he, it wasn't officially like I was a patient. And he didn't, he would always maneuver it so that he would say, well, I'll just, I'll just drop by, or it would be too, the timing, it was always something to do with the timing. And so it just ended up that he, my house was only five minutes away from his office. And were there times during the period of time when he was giving you therapy where he would provide letters to you indicating the nature of your problem, your psychological problem? He did write me a diagnosis letter. Which is a, on a Beverly Psychiatric and Psychological Center stationery. It's dated August 30th, 1989. It says, to whom it may concern, Judalon Smith was directed not to attempt ambulation or travel 83089 
on medical advice due to numbness and something I can't read, affecting motor capacity to the extent that any such attempt at movement, ambulation, or operation of a vehicle would have been impossible or dangerous, and it's signed Dennis J. Munjak, M-U-N-J-A-C-K-M-D, who's identified as the director of the Beverly Psychiatric and Psychological Center. Do you see that letter? Yes. Are you familiar with Dr. Ozeal's Yes. And is that letter, which is purportedly signed by Dr. Munjak, actually uh, authored by Dr. Ozeal? Yes. And do you know the circumstances under which that letter was written? Was that provided to you? He provided it to me. For what reason? Because I had a, um, I had a landlord-tenant small claims case and I have like a stress, I had a stress related problem where I would wake up sometimes and not be able to move on one side of my body and the morning of that court hearing that's what happened and so he told me that um, just to call the court and tell them and that he would write my the letter because he was the one who had diagnosed it I'd had it for I'd had the stress disorder for some time, but it had not been diagnosed by uh, my medical doctor. And did you ever see Dr. Munjak before that letter was written? I've never seen Dr. Munjak. And did Dr. Ozeal provide you that letter purportedly written by Dr. Munjak? Yes. And did you use that in your court case? No, when I noticed the signature, I refused to take it to the court because it's a lie. I'm, I'm not a patient of Dr. Munjak's. And did you then obtain from Dr. Ozeal a second letter, which is the letter that's in front of you, signed by Dr. Ozeal, relating to the same conditions? Yes. And you're quite sure that the handwriting on both those letters is Dr. Ozeal's? Absolutely. Is there any recognize that piece of paper as containing a sampling of Dr. Ozeal's business cards? Yes. Did he provide these cards to you during the course of your therapy with him? Yes, he did. And is one of the cards um, Beverly Psychiatric and Psychological Center, Dr. Jerome Ozeal? Yes. And is another card the 5050 Financial Systems, J. L. Jerome Ozeal, President and Chief Executive Officer? Yes. Is a third card Funes, F-U-N-E-S, in Ozeal, Furniture and Gift World? Yes. 2045 Westlake Avenue, Seattle, Washington? Yes. And is uh, another business card that was provided to you by Dr. Ozeal during your therapy something called Automax, A-U-T-O-M-A-X, J. Jerome Ozeal, Chairman of the Board, President and Chief Executive Officer? Yes. Okay. Did he provide all those cards to you during the course of your therapy with him? Yes, he did. And in addition to providing those cards to you, did he, um, from time to time, during the course of your relationship with him, in fact, tape record telephone conversations in which he would call you up and propose these schemes to you? From my answering machine, there are tape recorded calls. And when would you start tape recording calls from him? Just time-wise. Can you give us a time frame of when you started doing that? I started keeping the tapes from my answering machine in September of 89. Why were you recording the 
phone calls from him? I wasn't recording the phone calls. How were they, how did they end up being recorded on your answering machine? I had this answering machine that had its own mind and it just would record and stop recording at its own will. And also like, um, I also left the recorder on all the time because I didn't have like phones in every room. I just had a phone in my bedroom. And if I was in the front part of the house, I wouldn't hear the phone, and then, or I would, and then I'd pick up. The only extension I had was in the kitchen. And so if we started talking before the outgoing message was finished, then the answering machine just assumed that we were leaving a message. It didn't know we were having a conversation. And so that's how you came to record conversations? So that's how I came by the tape recordings. And did you understand what he was referring to? Uh, specifically, was a reference made to a business proposition that you were aware of at that time, when that telephone call was made? When he left the message, I may not have been, because he came up with new ideas every day, every week. All right, and playing you, uh, what I've had marked is 328, which is a cassette tape. Is that a tape that was made by you off your answering machine in early October 1989? Yes. He was going to do um, Spanish-speaking mental health clinics for something to do with some kind of insurance and workman's comp. And what was your role in that business scheme? I didn't have any role in that. He was. I had nothing to, you know, no involvement. Well, what was your understanding as to why he was calling you up and explaining to you that he had some scheme that was going to make big, big, big money? He, he likes to tell everyone how, you know, great he is at business, and he was just calling to brag. And... At the same time that he would call to brag, did he also, um, beginning in about October, start to call up and express a certain obsessiveness with what you were doing and possessiveness in regards to your romantic relationship with him? Objection. Compound um, and call for conclusion. Did Dr. Ozeal, around a beginning in October or even before that, start making uh, a lot of telephone calls to your house. I would say it started before October. And when did it start? Um, probably mid-August is when it, mid-August, early September is when they got, when they became. And he's testified here that that those I'm sorry. I'm sorry yes he's testified here that those telephone calls that are reflected on his phone phone bills were made because you started putting pressure on him to call him back all the time is that true no and did you um, go through his phone bills and also your own phone bills to establish what pattern if any there was to the phone calls that were made by him versus the phone calls you were making to him yes I did and he has testified there were telephone calls, for instance, that took 268 minutes. Do you recall conversations of that length? 
There were times when he kept me on the phone all night. And what was being talked about just in general during the times when he was calling you, keeping you on the phone all night? He would just be badgering and haranguing and manipulating and trying to make me say something or do something that I was resisting. And he wouldn't give up. He would persist until I would say it or do it or agree. And if that took, you know, 300 minutes or 500 minutes or however long, however long it took for him to break me down, that's how long the conversation would last. And break you down in what way? What was he trying to break you down to? To do what he wanted. Which was what? It could be anything, you know, from <coughs> just to do whatever he wanted me to do. And that occurred over a lengthy period of time, beginning in June, including right up to the point in time when you moved into his house. Correct. And would it also be true that on occasions he would call you up and disguise his voice as someone else? Yes. And ask what you were doing and whether you've been out with other men? Yes. These calls are only reflective of calls made from his home number not his office number, because his office number to my home or my business was a local call. And when, so, when did the calls from his home to either your office or your home begin? June 12th. And how frequently were the calls made in that period from June to November? How frequent? You mean the whole time period? Just in general, if you could characterize it. Was he calling you once a day, once a week? Oh, several times a day. And all Every hours day. of the day and night? All hours of the day and night. And for hours at a time sometimes? Yes. And during the time when he was calling you, was he providing you therapy? Sometimes. Was he also talking to you about your relationship, your personal relationship? Yes. You said that you and your attorney uh, were involved in preparation of that. Did you at some point end up suing Dr. Ozeal? Yes. And did the pattern of calls end in November? No. Did they end in December when you moved into his home? No. And sometime around... October, were you still involved with Dr. Ozeal in a relationship? Yes. And on the weekend of October 30th, 1989, did you go out of state with Dr. Ozeal? Yes. Is that the weekend that you and Dr. Ozeal went to Arizona? Yes. And before you went to Arizona, did you have some information that Dr. Ozeal was going to meet with Eric Menendez on the 31st? I've never been clear whether that phone call was just before we left or if it was the day that we returned. And when you're referring to that phone call, would you tell us what you're talking about? Um, from my home, Ozeal had picked up his messages from his wife, Laurel, and learned that Eric Menendez wanted to talk with him, 
And so from my house, he called Eric and spoke with him and set up an appointment. And did he indicate to you uh, what the nature of the uh, meeting was going to be or anything at all about Eric Hernandez? Yes. What did he indicate to you? When he hung up the phone, he said that he hoped he wasn't going to hear what he thought he was going to hear. And when I asked him what he thought he was going to hear, he said that they killed his parents. Right. Now, was it your understanding at that time when you had that conversation that Eric Menendez was a patient of Dr. Ozeal's? At that time? Yes. No. Right. And you were a patient of his at that time? Yes. But was it unusual for Dr. Ozeal to be talking to you about his other patients? No. And in fact, you have tape-recorded conversations in which Dr. Ozeal reveals the nature of uh, the client's problems that have been seen, correct? Objection, we correct. irrelevant. Did you tape record a telephone call from Dr. Ozeal in which he discusses confidential uh, problems of the patient? Objection, yes. Tape cassette that you prepared contains a conversation in which Dr. Ozeal tells you about a woman doctor he's been treating and the nature of her sexual problems. That's correct. And is exhibit number 334 a cassette which you um, obtained from your answering machine which reflects a conversation with Dr. Ozeal and again in October in which he tells you about uh, someone he refers to as a studio guy who is a patient of his? Correct. And was that uncommon for Dr. Ozeal to be revealing the uh, problems of his patients to you before October 31st, 1989? No. Would he actually name the patient by name? Or Sometimes. Would, and other times, would he just refer to someone, for instance, on that tape as a doctor and, and indicate in general what the person's problems were? He would give vital information that you couldn't mistake who, you know, who the person is. Now, going back to October, on or about October 30th, you had a conversation with Dr. Ozeal about a planned meeting he had with Eric Menendez, correct? I'm sorry, on what date? On or about October 30th, either before why correct. you were in Arizona? Correct. And he indicated to you that he hoped it wasn't what he thought it was. That's correct. And that conversation was with you, it was not with his wife, correct? No, that conversation was between uh, Ozeal and myself. And where were you when you had that conversation? In my bedroom. And do you think the date of that was on October 30th or some other date? It was either on the 30th, the day that we returned from the airport, or it was just before, but I would say it was the 30th when we had returned from Arizona. And before, while you were in Arizona, did you and Dr. Ozeal have an argument without getting into the details of it about whether your romantic relationship was going to continue? I had, I had broken off the relationship that Friday. And then... The Friday before you went to Arizona? Yes. And That why, Friday and Saturday. Why were you going to Arizona with him if you had broken off the relationship? Because on Saturday when I 
hung up the phone and didn't want to talk with him or go to Arizona, then he raced to my store and did a big number on me and somehow I ended up going to Arizona. And then in Arizona we also had um, a confrontation about how the relationship needed to be different. And again, without getting into the details, did you tell him that the relationship was going to end that yes. weekend? You did. And so you had already told him that when he told you about this conversation with Eric Menendez? Definitely. Had he already had he already told you that when had you already told him that the relationship was going to end when you had this conversation about Eric Menendez? I had told him prior. I had told him that the relationship was over prior to the discussion about Eric Menendez. And how did he accept that news that the relationship was going to be over? He didn't believe it or accept it, and he laughed a lot and um, just did his manipulations. And when you say he did his manipulation, was he trying to keep you in the relationship or not? He was trying to keep me in the relationship. And how was he doing that? Just by the things that he was saying and then when this phone call came up and he asked me um, to go and, and be there for him, that this was like the one last thing I could do and that if I did this, that it would show that, that all this work that he had put in on me wasn't for for nothing. That if I, you know, did this, that it would show that I had like learned something. And when you say did this, what was he asking you to do in relation to the conversation he had with Eric Menendez? He was asking me to come and be there in case something happened to him, so I could call the police or call an ambulance. And did he give you instructions on what you were to do if yes, he was he in did. a dangerous situation? Yes, he did. What did he say? He had said that he was going to leave the, the doors to the other offices. There were three offices, and he was going to leave the doors to the other two offices unlocked so I could go in there to use the phone. And he just, you know, told me to pay attention and listen carefully. And if I, you know, heard anything that seemed like he was in danger, that I was to call the police. And did he put you in fear as a result of telling you information? Uh, Most about definitely. Eric? And did you, in fact, uh, go to his office on October 31st? Yes, I did. What time did you arrive there? A little after five. Now, Dr. Ozeal testified he didn't recall you being there on the 31st, and he also said that after he had the session with, with Eric Menendez and Lyle Menendez, he drove to your house and told you about the sessions for the first time. Was that true testimony? It's an outright lie. And where had you, had you gone to work that day on October 31st? I went to work on October 31st. And when, what time did you uh, get out of work that day? 
Ozeal called me, um, I would say around 4.30 or 4.45, and he was with Eric at the time, and he told me that he, that he was checking to make sure that I was going to be there and insisted that I leave at that moment, which I did. And would you state your name again for the record? Dr. L. Jerome Ozeal. I will remind you that you're still under oath. Yes, Your Honor. I say in your statement to the press, ladies and gentlemen, I consider myself a private man, correct? That's what it says. And then you go on to make several statements about Judelon Smith, correct? Correct. One of the statements you make is Judelon Smith was Judge never... Right, we have a foundation as to whether he's the author of this document? Yes. Doctor, did you um, compose this document yourself? No. It's presented as the statement of L. Jerome Ozeal, Ph.D., correct? Correct. Did you adopt the statement? In other words, was it written by someone else and you read it to make sure it contained your thoughts and then you presented it as your own statement? Um, it was basically prepared by, uh, I think, attorneys and, and some other people who were advising me. Um, I did read it over. Right. And did it, at the time it was presented, accurately reflect statements that you yourself wanted to convey to the media? That's my recollection. And is one of the statements you conveyed to the media that Judelon Smith was never my patient, I never provided her, nor did she ever request, either formally or informally, any psychotherapeutic services? I certainly did. Did you also say in reference to Judelon Smith that Judelon Smith relentlessly pursued a committed relationship with me which I rejected, which I repeatedly rejected? Yes, I did. Did you also say that Smith had extreme and unreciprocated feelings and designs toward you? Basically, that's what that says. What it says is, over the entire course of my knowing Smith, she continually wrote me dozens of obsessive letters, which clearly expose the extreme and unreciprocated feelings and designs she has toward me. That's correct. And you also described her as having an unreciprocated fixation on you, correct? That's correct. Now, isn't it true that it was really the other way around? That is, that before this session on October 31st, where you've testified to what the Menendez brothers have said that you were obsessed with her? Absolutely not. Isn't that what projection is? In other words, you're describing her as being fixated with you when in fact you're the one who was fixated? No, you're, no, you're using the term inappropriately and you're also assuming or, or trying to imply that it applies. It, it doesn't apply at all. Uh, no, it's not the reverse. It's absolutely false. Now, is it your testimony that prior to October 31st, 1989, that Smith was pursuing you? Um, yes. And is it also your testimony that you were try basically trying to get away from her? Uh, yes, that's correct. And is it true, showing you exhibit 113, mm -hmm. that these are your phone records from one of your phones at your home in Sherman Oaks? Appears to be. And those phone records, do they not show one of your phone numbers is 818-906-8853? Yes. 
and the first record is dated October 16, 1989, and it goes all the way through February 16, 1990. Correct? I don't know. You haven't shown it to me. Okay. Okay, that appears to be correct. Showing you exhibit 114 is this a set of phone records from your other phone at your home, which is area code 818 It uh, appears to be. Okay. Right. And returning down to 113, you'll see in the phone records themselves there are highlighted certain numbers. Do you see that? Correct. Yellow. And the numbers that are highlighted are area code 213-931-0069. And the second number that's highlighted is 213-655-3031. Do you see that? Right. And those are the numbers of Deuteron Smith. Isn't that true? I don't recall, but they probably are. And you'll notice that beginning in early September, actually mid-September, September 18th specifically, um, you or someone in your home is calling that number repeatedly day in and day out. Isn't that true? Well, I don't know about day in and day out, but there, there are a lot of calls to that number. Well, when I say day in and day out, I mean that on September 18th, you called her at 8.39 a.m. and talked to her for 40, 42 minutes, right? That's correct. By the way, that would have been you making the calls, right? I'm assuming so. No reason your wife would have been calling your lover, correct? I don't think so. And the next call on that same day, September 18th, you called her after you talked to her for 42 minutes. You called her at 9:25 a.m. and talked to her for one minute, correct? Appears to be correct. You called her at 11:01 a.m. and talked to her for four minutes, correct? Appears to be correct. You called her at 9:39 p.m. that night, talked to her for 41 minutes, correct? Uh, that's correct. You called her at 10.23, talked to her for 23 minutes, correct? Appears to be correct. 10.51 p.m. on the same day, you called her, talked to her for 13 minutes. That appears to be correct. Correct. And just on this one page, which deals with September 13th through the 29th, there are... Nineteen calls made, correct? Yeah, the vast majority of them were uh, one minute, two minute, four minute, uh, so on and so forth calls. But there were, there are some longer calls on it. That's correct. And on the next page, which covers the period from September 29th through October 16th, on one page you have called her 35 times, correct? I didn't add them up, but it looks like I've called her quite a few times on that page. Yeah. The whole page is basically covered with her number, is it not? Well, it's probably the only total number that I was calling for the most part, but yes, there are a number of calls. And those calls vary from one minute up to looks to be 20 or 30 minutes in length, correct? Um, I'm looking at the, uh, at the times. Where are they? Here? Yeah, I can't, I can't even read the numbers. Most of them look like they're single-digit numbers, like three minutes, five minutes, three minutes, two minutes, one minute, two minute, three minutes. There are most, of, most all of these calls are two-minute calls. All hours of the day. I don't know if I characterize that, but most all of these calls, I actually only see three or four long calls in this whole period of time 
which is basically a period of three weeks. Most all of them are two or three minute calls, four minute calls, two minute calls, one minute calls, things like that, which basically is hello, goodbye. And I see on, so you say over a period of month, I see on September 30th you called her at 352, 642, 849, 954, correct? Looks like it. And was that all hello and goodbye? Uh, no, there were a lot of issues that we were dealing with. Many of them, uh, there are all sorts of issues that we were dealing with at that time. And that was you calling her, right? That was me calling her. And the next page, same thing, right? Page is covered with calls that you made to her from October 17th through October 24th, all from your own, different times of the day and night, all made to Miss Smith. Isn't that right? Again, most, most of all those calls are one-minute calls. Some of them are, are longer, but one, 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 two, one, 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 one. Well, you skip one there, 61. No, there was a, there was a one-hour call, but most of those calls were one-minute calls. And the one after the 61-minute call? It was a 15-minute call. And 20 minutes and 22 minutes? Uh, just to save time, there probably are one, two, three, four, five, six calls that were of any length at all in that whole, all the, uh, the numbers you just uh, pointed out. And that's all before October 31st, right? Yes, that's before October 31st. And you'll see the next page goes from October 26th through the end, November 15th, and you have probably 25 or 30 more calls. <coughs> Again, very much varying in length, but yes, there are a number of calls to Ms. Smith. And the same with 114 from your other phone number shows numerous calls, all, all hours of the day or night made to Ms. Smith, does it not? Well, I wouldn't, the all hours of the day and night is yours, but um, basically um, there are a number of calls um, to Ms. Smith, that's correct. Just as an example, October 6th, you called her at 10.58 p.m., correct? I don't know. You're holding it too far for me to see. Okay. You're talking about, uh, okay, yes. And you talked to her for 268 minutes, did you not? That's what it appears like. That wasn't just hello or goodbye, was it? No, that probably wasn't a hello or goodbye at all. And on that same page, on one page going from October 2nd to October 11th, you called her. Calls range 10 minutes, 65 minutes, 23 minutes, 268 minutes, 49 minutes, 27 minutes, 15 minutes, 18 minutes, 17 minutes, 23 minutes, 56 minutes, 17 minutes, correct? Yes, uh, uh, spread amongst, um, again, over that entire period of time, uh, a lot of one minute, one minute, one minute calls. So, so who's being obsessive here, doctor? Judalyn Smith. And isn't it true that in these telephone conversations where you would call up, that she would sometimes not be there and not return her call, your calls, and you would constantly call back and, and say things like, call me back right away, tell her she was crazy, and keep repeating the same uh, message over and over again, and she would refuse to return your call. Isn't that true? Objection calls for hearsay, calls for speculation, and the other compound and complex. <coughs> Yes. Weren't there days, doctor, when you would call up Judalon Smith and she would not be home and not be returning your calls, and you would keep calling back over and over again, leaving her messages to please get in contact with you? Um, no, I don't recall that, and uh, the nature of the messages was not to please get in contact with me. Right. Let me, if I could, have next more exhibit. 
116. All right. Before it's March, you may approach. Before it's March, you may approach. Dr. Ello's phone calls I read to you were made before October 31st, 1989, were they not? Uh, Yes, they were. And is it true that before October 31st, 1989, the weekend before that day, that you and Ms. Smith went to Arizona together? I don't recall that. Flying under the name of Mr. and Mrs. Jerome Ozio. I don't recall that. And is it true that on the 28th or the, between the 28th and the 30th of uh, October, regardless of where you were, that uh, you and Judelon Smith got into a uh, lover's quarrel uh, over something having to do with jealousy. I don't recall anything about that. That may have happened, you just don't remember. Yeah, Jack isn't being irrelevant. What was the date of the inquiry? Uh, between the weekend of October, or the days of October 28th to the 30th, 1989. Overall. I don't recall it. <coughs> I have a one-page piece of paper to mark next All right, that'll be 116. No. Doctor, showing you what has been marked as 116. Recognize that as a receipt with your name on it and a boarding pass to an airplane? Um, yes, appears to be. And is the receipt to a place in Tempe, Arizona called Westcourt in the Buttes, B-U-T-T-E-S? Yes, it is. And is that in the name of Ozeal slash Judelon Mister? Um, that's what it says, right. And is there also a boarding pass? Uh, there's a boarding pass. Does that refresh your memory as to when you were in Arizona with you last night? Uh, yes, it appears to. When is that? No, I mean, I'm assuming that if that's the date that you uh, got these from, I'm assuming that that's, I don't see anything that has a date on this, to, or does it? Is there a date on here somewhere? Well, it may be a little faint, but my question is whether you can use no. that in any way to refresh your memory. No, I don't remember when I was in, uh, uh, when I was in Arizona, it so. If there's a date on here, that would refresh my memory. In any event, do you remember just before you had these sessions on the 31st that you and Judelon Smith had an argument which resulted in her basically saying she didn't want anything to do with you anymore? <laughs> no. You laugh at that, correct? It's absolutely not true. Right. Is that as absolutely not true as your statement before lunch that you absolutely did not diagnose her? Jared, I think and it's your testimony then that there was no point in time right before the sessions with the Menendez brothers where you got into an argument with Judelon Smith. Is that true? No, I didn't say that. Um, I'm, anybody can get into an argument at any point. I just don't recall specifically having had an argument at that time, and I definitely don't recall any argument um, such as you described. Well, let me ask you a broader question. Was your relationship with Ms. Smith troubled in any way just before these sessions with the Menendez brothers took place. It certainly was. And was one of the reasons why you were making all those telephone calls uh, because of the trouble between the two of you? One of the reasons I was making all of these telephone calls, or a lot of them, had to do with Judelon Smith um, 
uh, obsessively calling me and wanting reassurance and trying to uh, elicit me calling her. Um, and in addition, she couldn't call me at my home, so she asked me to call her very frequently. So it was at her request that I made these phone calls. Including the 268-minute one? Absolutely. No different than, than the other one. She was requesting uh, that I make those phone calls. So, Go ahead. No. So, so uh, basically, uh, this is a completely distorted record. The reason it's distorted is that um, it only involves, it, it doesn't uh, acknowledge the fact that she was asking me and calling me and trying to find ways to get me to call her frequently, asking me to call her extremely frequently, and uh, in addition to that, telling me that she couldn't call me where I was located because in the one instance I was in my office and the second instance I was at my home. Did she have some way to keep you on the phone for 268 minutes? We talked. We had a relationship. We had a business relationship, a personal relationship, both. It started out as a business relationship. And I might add, a great many of these calls were business calls. They were not personal calls. At 10.58 at night for 268 minutes was a business call? It may very well have been. We were planning multiple business projects. And are you saying that the, all those phone calls day in and day out in the period before October 31st were prompted by phone calls that she made to you saying, please call me up, Dr. Ozeal, or words to that effect? I think that uh, there's a tremendous amount of documentation that I have uh, in writing that, yes, she was repeatedly um, requesting me to call her and asking me to, uh, to be in contact with her very, very uh, frequently. And I guess I to strike that answer uh, for the part that's not responsive. Right. And hearsay. Objection is sustained. The entire answer is stricken. I guess that would show up in her phone records, wouldn't it? All right, counsel, we don't have a uh, question that relates to an answer, so you'll have to rephrase your question. All right. Doctor, are you saying that she made phone calls to you that are, at least on the face of it, as obsessive appearing as your phone calls to her? I, I didn't characterize these as obsessive at all. You did. Um, and no, the, uh, what she did is write me um, dozens and dozens of letters that contain that content and engage in extremely frequent uh, conversations um, that were you know, insecurity-based and, and really uh, asking me to frequently call her and be in contact with her, which is uh, that and, and the business things we were working on account for the phone calls that I made and the fact that she couldn't call me. And was that the only inducement she gave to you? In other words, uh, she would give you letters saying, Jerry, please call me, and then that would produce all these telephone calls? I didn't say that. Well, was there something else she did that caused you to make those phone calls day after day, she hour after hour, no, she threatened minute after suicide. minute? Uh, it wasn't minute after minute. Well, do you want to go through them again, Doctor? Objection argumentative. Objection sustained. Your question? Was there some other device that she had for causing you to make all those telephone calls? Um, I think I already testified that we were involved in business um, discussions and a personal relationship, and she verbally requested me to call her extremely frequently. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, if I didn't call her, she became very insecure and, um, you know, extremely unhappy. Now, Doctor, is it true that from the period between October 31st, 1989, and the time when the search warrant was served at your house, that you at one point suggested to Judalon Smith that she should call your wife and disguise her voice as Eric and tell your wife, hello, Laurel, this is Eric, you're in trouble, I'm going to kill you. Did you suggest that to 
You laugh at that? I, I, it's absurd. No, I did not. <laughs> Thank you. 